Mark, Regina, and Ron, thank you very much for that. That was great. As I always will do, this is not, I don't do this to be gimmicky, by the way, and I don't necessarily need you to remember me for this. Please don't. But as I always begin my sermons a specific way, I do this intentionally because I want just the presence of God to be known. So if you would pray with me again this morning, this will probably be the last time for a little while that we get to do this together in this capacity. I know all the pastors pray before we speak, but um, in this capacity, would you pray for these three things with me again, that we recognize the Holy Spirit's presence with us in this room right now, that the distractions that many of us have brought with us throughout the week have come into this building probably this morning, so we would just want to check those at the door for a little while, and then also that you would pray for me, um, because again, I just want to be a vessel that is used by God. I know that I have said things from the front that I'm like, oh man, I wish I could take that back and say it differently, but I trust that the Lord has changed those in your ears and in your heart so that you've heard it as I would have intended or as God intended in the first place. So if you would pray for me for those three things, and then we'll, we'll pr- kind of pray together as we begin. Father in heaven, Lord, just again, we want to pause and recognize your presence with us right now. Lord, you're always here. You're always with us, but we want to be intentional right now and just say welcome. Thank you so much for being with us. Father, I ask that you would be with um, each and every um, listener in this room right now um, and just help us to have a little bit of moments of peace that we can just forget about the things that have stressed us out, that have distracted us from you and that, that quality time that we could have been spending with you, that just weighing us down. Lord, give us relief right here in this moment. Father, I ask that you would be with me as well as I speak your words this morning. And Lord, I don't want to speak any of my own. If I try to do that, please just change that right away so that I can just be that vessel that you are using. And, and we thank you so much for your love. In your name we pray. Amen. So we've been on a little bit of a journey, a a series, as you would say, um, because of the people being away, GC sessions, ministerial meetings, and vacations, and so they gave me this unique opportunity to have a series, which is great, but I probably won't get to do one very often at Spencerville, if ever again, so thank you for the patience as you've been with me these last couple of weeks, but I just wanted to, for those of you that might not have been here, kind of recap what we've been talking about in this verse. We've used Matthew 7, verse 7 um, each week for the past three weeks, which may seem redundant to some of you, but it's really not. Um, I think that we can each learn something new every time we open the scriptures, even if it's the exact same words. So um, we've been talking about asking and seeking and knocking. Um, The beginning, we talked about being very intentional about the asking portion. We broke it up into these three sections um, and how God has invited us to ask him, to pray to him, to talk with him. He makes promises to us when we pray and that um, he will make himself available to us when we pray. It's not like we have to go through some screening process. It's right there available to us at the moment. Um, And he does it at different levels as well. He's right here in this place right now. Sometimes I seek him out and, and I go find him, but he's right there with me the whole time. Um, everyone who asks will receive from him. He, whether it's an answer right now, it's yes or no, and it will be granted. It will be answered. Um, we are coming to our Father, which is always really awesome for me to think about that because I think about it in the context of my own life and being a father and, and making mistakes and, and just knowing that I have somebody else that I can go to and that my kids can go to that is better than me. 
um, which was another point that our Heavenly Father is better than our earthly fathers. And I can attest to that in every true sense of the word. Unfortunately, I am a failure in many ways, but my Father in Heaven is not. So that is awesome. Um, We can trust God's goodness because He has already made us His children. And also that the cross is the foundation of all prayers. If it wasn't for the cross, our prayers would be meaningless. They would be nothing. Um, so so we, we explored that a little bit. We, we talked about and we decided, I hope together, that we came up with the idea that just because we ask for something doesn't mean that we're going to get it exactly like we asked for it. Sometimes, in fact, God says no to us, and that's an okay thing to have happen. Um, we, um, we looked at that and said that sometimes we get just what we asked for, and that's a yes. And sometimes we get um, just when we ask for it, and sometimes God lets that play out over a certain number of, of time or years or days or weeks or months or whatever that may be. Um, sometimes we get it just the way that we asked for it, or sometimes we get it just the way that we desired it. But then sometimes God gives us something um, that is better than what we asked for. Or he gives it to us at a time when he knows it's better for us. Or he knows it is better um, when he knows it is better, or that he gives it to us in a way that he knows is better. Because I sometimes think that I have everything figured out in this life, and in fact, I I do not. I oftentimes get things all mixed up and jumbled around and confused, and so God needs to answer me in the way that is best that he knows, and I don't. So that's cool. We we figured all those kind of things out together. Um, And last week, we talked a lot about seeking we, we looked at the games that we, we played as a young person, hide-and-seek. How many of you remember that? That was fun times. Do you remember playing hide-and-seek? I, I do. I loved it. It was a good time. Um, but we looked at that, and we decided that God doesn't really play games with us. He's not involved in a huge hide-and-seek game with us. He's available at all times. He's there no matter what. Um, in spite of my issues, God's still there for me. Um, he brings with him the cross when I go to him, he has that with him. He offers that to me. It's available to me. Um, and it's a one-size-fits-all kind of a thing. It's not, you know, different for each person. It fulfills everything that each and every one of us needs, and it's perfect for that. Um, when we seek him, we don't have to go far because he is, again, always right there at our, at our, our needs. Um, it's not the game of hide-and-seek. For God, it's seek and I am found. And then we talked about believing and admitting if you're a sinner and desiring not to do that anymore, that we can have new life in Christ. Um, Believing Jesus, his blood can cover our sins and forgive us um, for those sins. And then being baptized into Christ and washing away the past, burying those sins forever to be gone forevermore. Um, And then rising up out of the water into a new life with Christ. Um, And then we figured that all of us have sinned at some point. We've all made mistakes. We've all fallen short. But if we are faithful and we confess our sins, God is faithful also to forgive us for those sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So today we want to look at that last portion, this last part of this this passage about knocking. And um, it says, knock and the door will be open. And have you ever knocked on a door and it wasn't open? I remember coming home late from a board meeting. This was not too many years ago. It was, I think, two and a half, three years ago. It was late. It was about 10.30. 
Um, you know how board meetings go sometimes. This was on the longer side already, and um, we had decided to stick around for a couple minutes afterwards to chat, digest some of what we had talked about, talked about some ministry ideas. And so it was about 10.30, and I sent a quick text message to Raynell to let her know I was on my way because she was probably already wondering why I wasn't at home at this point. Um, usually you're home by 9, 9.30. And um, so it was 10.30. I sent her a quick text message. I'm on my way. I'll be home in about 10 minutes. It really took eight minutes from the house to the church or from the church to the house. So that was, that was good. I gave myself two extra minutes just in case I got caught at every light. And I pulled into the driveway a little bit after 10.30. And as I was pulling into the driveway, this thing had been happening all around me already. Um, and it was this loud sound of booming and thunder. And um, so right as I was getting into the driveway, it started pouring down rain. One of the hardest rains that I've ever seen. And, you know, I sat in my car and I had these, you know, options at this point. Waited out. I don't know how long this storm is going to last. So I pull out my smartphone and look at the radar. And it's going to be a while. I don't want to sit in my car for the next 20 minutes. So I decided I'm going to make a dash for the house. I'm going to run in there. I'll be fine. I get a little bit wet. And that's okay. I can deal with that. No big deal. So I got out of the car. I ran up the porch steps and grabbed the door handle and it was locked, which made me just wonder a little bit because I had just told Raynell I was on my way. I was, you know, thinking, hey, the door will be open. I could just dash in. Well, here's another thing about me. I cannot stand keys. I hate keys. I will not carry keys. I am keyless right now. I don't have any keys on me. It's intentional. I hate them. They're just annoying. They jingle and then Raynell, Raynell's key ring, I can talk about her because she's not here today. It's got these like tethers on it and there's keys off of the tethers and and she'll put it in the ignition sometimes and start the car for us and I get in the car I literally have to change the key set because I cannot stand it when keys are like falling on my lap from the car anyway I don't like keys you can probably see a picture of that hopefully you can start to get a sense of that so the thing about this night was I also hated keys then and I do not carry a house key so I got to the door and it was locked and so at this point I'm in a little bit of a fix I decide, you know, it's, it, again, it's 10.30. The kids are already in bed. They're sleeping. I, I decide to knock on the door. So I knock on the door a little bit, you know, just a little tap. I don't want to wake up the kids. And, and, and the blinds are drawn. They're down. So, you know, you can't see into the house. But you can, like, kind of squint through the little blinds there, try to get a peek here and there and see what's happening on the inside. And there's nothing. I couldn't see any movement. I couldn't see anybody. And so, you know, I did the only logical thing that a person would do in that situation. I knocked a little bit harder on the door. I said, okay, well you know, let me, let me see what's going on here, and, and gave it a couple of seconds, 15 seconds, felt like an eternity, as I could have washed and lathered and rinsed and repeated at this point, because it was raining so hard, and, and besides the fact that it was raining so hard, there are these lightning bolts that are making the hair stand up on my arm, these are close, these are not like miles off in the distance, these are like right around me, and so I'm like, okay, this is, I'm a, there's a sense of urgency, in my knocking, if you can get a picture of what this was like. And, and after the second time of knocking and there was no answer, I decided to do it a third time. And this time, even a little bit more force. And at this point, I'm pounding on the door. I'm like, come on, what's going on here? Where is everybody? And, and so I, I, I see my dog, Zeus. I talked about him last week. I see Zeus run up the stairs. He took one look at the door, heard the pounding, and he's out. He ran away because he didn't like that action. This is like, this is, this is the pound that I was on the door. This is the kind of intensity that was at this point. And, and nothing happened. I'm like, what in the world is going on? I, I'm literally at my wits end at this point. And I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, the, the front door of your house is not as secure as you probably think it is. Yeah. 
make sure you use your deadbolt, <laughs> okay? Because they will pop open fairly easily if you, uh, anyway. I couldn't get in my own house. I was knocking, and there was nothing happening on the other side. In fact, there was something happening on the other side, actually. Uh, my wife was calling the police department, and they were on their way. And she said, you've never knocked like that before. I thought so. I said, it's never been raining like that when I told you. Anyway, there was a whole big discussion about that. It was fun times. And um, I think the kids did actually get ended up woken up and all that kind of good stuff. And, but, but, and, and you kind of probably know that feeling if you've had that maybe not to that quite an extreme, or uh, maybe you've been on the other side of that equation, and you've seen, you know, somebody coming up your, your driveway or your lawn, and you're like, oh, there is no way I am opening the door for this person because that's just not going to happen today, uh, whatever it may be. Um, there's a frustration there, you know. Um, I, I, I read this verse, and all those frustration feelings that I can bring back from that event of standing on my porch getting drenched, I know that will never take place with my Father in heaven. I know that when I go to him, when I knock on that door, when I'm standing there, it's an immediate opening. There's a sense of I can, I can get access right away. It's awesome. Um, some of you may have experienced that other, that other side. Um, if you would look back with me, you don't have to go there now, but if you remember back with me at least, you know what was funny this morning when I told that story? It actually started thundering and raining really hard outside. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I was hoping it would happen again, but obviously it's not going to do that. Um, that was pretty neat. Um, if you look back with me in Genesis chapter 6 through 8 at the flood event, you don't have to go there unless you want to just read through a couple verses really quick. I'm not going to read through that whole thing. Um, I would invite you to go look at that story sometime this week. E again, even if you are like the, the most authoritative source on the actual flood event, go take a look at that. It's a fascinating story. Um, we'll just kind of recap it really quick here for you. Um, the, the earth was getting kind of in a bad state. Um, and, and man, when I look at that story and I, and I relate to that story in its context, and I look at my world, the world that I'm living in now, and I see very close parallels to that, I, I, I wonder how far away our Father in Heaven really is before He's coming back to this earth. That's just a side note. I don't want to take a lot of time with that, that part of the story either. Um, but they had, the world was in a state of just bad. And so God decides He's going to destroy the, the earth, and, and so he finds, um, he finds Noah, and hold on one second. Stop. Thank you. Okay, this is not like football time. I don't know what they're doing. But anyway, so God decides he's going to destroy the world. And then he's like, well, no, wait, I'll, I'll, I'll calm down for a second. I'll, I'll give the world a chance. I'll give them, I've got this Noah guy and, and his family can build this ark and they can, they can survive and we'll put some animals in there and we'll, everything will be okay. And um, so that, that takes place and they, they, they go through those years and they build the ark. And at some point, Noah and his family enter the ark and, and I don't know exactly where this picture comes from. I, I, get, I feel like I get this picture from a couple different places. I know one of them was, um, most of you are too young to remember this, although I did have one young, young person, um, one high school student this morning come to me and say they remember this thing, so it made me feel kind of good and not quite as old. But the, the Superbook, anybody remember Superbook? Not a whole lot of you. Yeah, thank you, Richard. I appreciate it. Um, super like this story about these kids, and they can go back in time, and they can live through these Bible stories or whatever. You remember two? Awesome. There's like two of us. That's awesome. Three of us. That's cool. So I'm feeling pretty good. You're feeling much younger this morning. Thank you. Um, so there, there's these kids that can go back in time. And, and so in this, this story that they told about the flood, you get this picture right before they get sent back to the future because they didn't get survived, you know, they didn't get saved in the, in the ark. Before they go back to the future, there's all these people standing outside of the ark 
ark, and they're banging on the ark door. And I, and I know I've gotten this from some other places as well. You know, let us in, let us in. We want to get in the ark now. We need safety. We need safety. It's raining out here. Uh, you know, uh, that's a pretty bad place to be. On the outside of that ark is a pretty bad place to be. And, and, I, and I'm thinking about it in, in terms of like this. You know, we have all these opportunities right now. We have the opportunity to come to Jesus right now, right in this moment, right in this second, and, and to, to just ask him for anything that we need, forgiveness primarily, right? Um, and at, but at some point, there comes a time where it's going to be too late. The panic will set in when the skies open up on that glorious day for some people. And they will want to knock and be let into the gates of heaven, and yet it will be too late. Christ is our ark. He's our safety. He's our impenetrable fortress. Nothing can touch us there. We have access to that right now. There's no time to wait. In Isaiah chapter 65, verse 24, it tells us, And it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear them. This is not a long, complicated process to, to go through in order to be able to, to be in this safety net, to be included in that ark of safety that is Christ Jesus. It's not a hard process. We don't have a bunch of, of hoops to, to jump through. In fact, if I call out right now, I know that he will be able to answer me right now. When I call, he's already ready and willing and answering and listening to me. While I'm still speaking, he's hearing me. There's a, a, a neat kind of parallels to these verses that we've been looking in. There's the asking, and there's the, the seeking, and there's the knocking. And on those, those three things, there's, there's a reciprocal kind of process that's happening. When, when God is telling us to ask us, he's also asking us and doing things to ask us to do things, right? Um, when we're seeking him, it's not just me seeking him. He's actually seeking me out. We looked at Adam and Eve and, this, and that story about them sinning and what happened right after that. He was there. He was seeking them. He went to them in their need. He knew they needed them before they even knew he needed them. He was right there. There's that, 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 that parallel thing. And also in this knocking, there's this knocking thing here too. That It's not just me that I can go and knock on, on his door, but Christ has come to me. He's come to me right now, and he's knocking on my heart. We know in the text that we knock and God will answer, but God also knocks on our hearts. And what is our answer? In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Listen, I am standing at the door and knocking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into his home and share a meal with him and he with me. We have complete access to Christ. We've talked about this, right? But does he have complete access to me. I like, to, I like this story, this illustration that we've been using about the White House and, and going down there, and, and most of us in this room, I'm sure there are a couple that have access to that Oval Office. If you do, that's awesome, and you can tell me all about it later. That would be really cool. But most of us in this room, I would say 99.9% .9 of us, have pretty much no access to the Oval Office. Is that fair? I think that's fair to say. I don't want you to shake your head if you do, because then I'll be just jealous, and that's not good. I'm not supposed to be jealous, okay? We have access we don't have access to that room, okay? We don't have access even to those grounds. If I try to go over the fence to the grounds, I'm going to be met quite hastily by a bunch of people that are going to escort me to somewhere more private, okay? Yeah. Um, 
I have access to Christ, but does Christ have access to me? Have I put up a fortress around my heart? Have I put up walls, and have I armed guards to escort anyone that is not on my privileged list away from my property? Have I put up this, this structure that can keep Christ away from me? And it's not, it's not him, okay? He can be there if he, wants, if he wanted to be. He could force his way through, obviously. You know, he's God. He's got the most powerful army in the United, you know, the United States and the history of the world and the history of our galaxy. He could knock down those walls if he wanted to, but he doesn't work like that, right? He doesn't work like that. He literally will let me be if I request that. I can put those walls up. He will let me do that. Um, I'm, I'm a product of the, the late 80s and the early 90s. Try not to be shocked, okay? I'm not, uh, yeah, I know, I'm old. Or, uh, anyway, I've got some time. Um, I'm a product of those late 80s and early 90s, and, and I, I lived a fairly sheltered existence. I can, ex, I can ex elaborate on this a little bit more now because my mom's not in the room. I don't have to embarrass her. She won't know that she's being embarrassed anyway. Um, and so we, we literally were kind of, we didn't even own a TV, you know, that, that kind of, you know, good Adventist standards. You know, we didn't go to the movies. We didn't watch TV. We didn't listen to the radio unless it was like WGTS on Saturday afternoons when Your Story Hour was on, and then they did that whole, you know, old-fashioned music style thing. Um, that's who I was. But even in the midst of all of that, there were certain things that could get through those filters, okay? One of the things that I very vividly remember kind of streaming its way through was the, um, the, a young man— named Mike Tyson. Um, again, as sheltered as I was, you could not know about this individual. Some of you know a little bit about him. He, he was a boxer. Um, he was 18 years old, 19 year old, and he was knocking people out like they were made of butter. Okay, it was not a good thing. And, you know, my friends and I used to sit around and talk, oh yeah, I'd go stand in that ring for $10 million. No, you wouldn't. Okay, because the outcome of that would be, you know, respirator for the rest of your life kind of stuff. You know, $10 million is not worth it. This, is, this guy was just unbelievable. Um, but he, he had his problems. He had some issues. And I watched a documentary on his life a couple years ago, 2008 or so. Um, it came out. I probably watched it in 2010, whatever. It was on Netflix. Um, it, I watched the documentary. It was, one, it was the one where he actually was part of it. There's like a ton of them. Um, but the one that he was actually a part of and he was speaking, uh, one of the things that he said, and he was looking back over his life and the things that had happened for him, he, um, I won't get the quote exactly right because I, I wrote it down at some point and I've lost it in our move, so I'll have to find that someday. But um, one of the things that he said in this was, there was a great sting in my heart. There was a huge pain, this gaping pain that, that I felt like on a constant basis. It was like there was something missing from my life, a huge hole that I, could, I tried filling this hole with different things. You know, I, he tried putting women in there, and he tried putting drugs in there, and he tried putting his career in there, and he tried, you know, further on with, with women and, and the sex, and, and he just put all these things in there. And then he decided that he was going to, you know, he was going to figure it all out, and he put Allah in there. He, he actually became Muslim for a brief time. Um, he, he got away from that. I don't know if he's back to it or not, but there was a huge hole. You could just feel his pain. You could see his pain as he was telling this story about missing something in his life. And I, and I looked at this, and I'm just, with, with one of those big, heavy feelings in my heart, I'm like, man, I wish I could just get a hold of this guy and it just share with him my Jesus. 
the answer to his gaping hole, the, the, the vacuum to fill his, his vacuum that, that would make it whole again and, and just help him to understand a little bit about what Christ can do for you and what he can do in your life. Sometimes that's us. Sometimes we've created this, this, this fortress. And then we've tried to put things in our fortress that, that could take the place, that could give us that okay feeling, that could give us that, that sense of I'm okay, you know. And, and, and it's probably different for all people, you know. Not everybody's going to go out and want to become a boxer. Please, I could probably say again, for 99.9% .9 of the people in this room, do not go out and be a boxer, okay? That's, I feel like that's a fair statement. Um, we try to fill things in this vacuum, in this void of our lives that we have created. We put jobs in there to distract us. We take the distractions with us when we go home and when we relate to our families. And, and then we take them with us when we go to church. That's why we want to pray about them and just try to check them at the door, leave them alone for a little while to give us a sense of peace, to give us that sense of what is my purpose. But we've put these things, these huge holes there, and there's, a, there's something that can fill that hole. That's Christ. That's Jesus. Some of that's, that might be for some of us. We've got that, I've got it all under control mentality. I can handle this situation. I can, I'm okay. I've got my armed guards. If somebody needs to come in and, and try to attack me, I'm good. We've put up those barriers. But the reality is, those barriers are worthless. God will respect them. Christ will respect them. The devil will not. Christ is knocking but do you have the guards out on patrol? Don't let it be too late. In Psalms chapter 34, verse 8, it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. And that's the thing that I would, I just want to take that and I want to share it with people. I want other people to know that that, that hole that they have in their heart can be filled with the right thing. It's the right fit every time. It's the one-size-fits-all cross thing. It's the same thing. Jesus is the fill for the hole that we have in our hearts. In Luke chapter 13, verse 25, it says, Once the head of the house gets up and shuts the door, you will stand on the outside and knock on the door and beg him, Lord, let us in. But he will answer, I don't know where you are coming from. We have time and time again that we're, we're told that we have to be watching out. We don't know the hour. We don't know the minute. If Christ came right this second, I would be overjoyed that I wouldn't have to finish the sermon. Probably you would too. But that's all right, you know. That would be cool with me. I'm, I'd be so fine with that. You have no idea. But if he doesn't come right this second, I still have to be watching. I can't just give it all up. I, just, I can't just let it all slide we have these verses that tell us over and over again, we don't know when Jesus is coming. But we have to be ready for when he does. In Matthew 25, verse 11, it talks about, this is the story of the ten virgins and, and how, you know, they were out and they were waiting for the bridegroom to come and, and he didn't show up. 
He wasn't coming, and they were waiting, and they were patient, and he wasn't coming, and they got kind of sleepy, and, and some of them had brought extra oil, and some of them had not prepared adequately. And so they decide, they wake up, and they decide, well, he's not here yet. I'll run over, I'll run home and get some, or I'll go to the store and I'll buy some because Walmart was open 24 hours even way back then, and there'll be, there'll be more oil for their lamp, and when I come back, then I can get into the party. And while they're gone, what happens? Christ comes. The groom comes. The bridegroom comes, and he's in the, he's in the house, and they're all sitting there with him. The five that were ready and had their extra oil, they're inside. And so they come back, and they're all excited, and they knock on the door. Hey, let us in. We're here for the party. And the guy comes to the door, and he's like, I don't know who you are. I don't know you. And they try to make all these excuses. Well, but I did this and this. And remember, we, we had lunch together the other day. And remember, we, we hung out all those times. And he's like, nope, you would have been here if I knew you. If you really knew me, if you really cared about me, you would have been here ready for me. And that's the invitation that he makes to all of us, too. He extends that invitation to us right now, right in this place, right where you're at. Know me. He says, ask me into your heart. Seek me out. Find me. I've already sought you out. I'm already here for you. Let me in. Knock. And the greatest riches, the greatest rewards that you can ever fathom or imagine will be yours. They're beyond your wildest imagination. Those things that you dream about in heaven will be yours. How many of you are looking forward to heaven? Have you ever thought about heaven? What do you think about heaven? What I see, the, one of the pictures that I see are some of these really precious things that we think are so extravagant, you know? Gold, uh, gold would be pretty cool, right? If I had like a ton of gold at my house, that would be fantastic, but I don't, right? But in heaven, what are we gonna do with gold? We're gonna trance all over it. We're going to walk all over it like it's dirt, like it's dust on the ground. Do you know why? Because it's insignificant. The things that we think are precious now are insignificant. Those gates that we're going to walk through made of pearls that are 12 stories tall or whatever, man, that's a big pearl. Like to see that oyster, right? Man, check that oyster out. That's going to be some kind of oyster. Those things that are beyond our wildest imaginations. You know, one of, one, of my favorite, one of my favorite quotes that, I, that I've heard about heaven, and, and, you know, you see things, you hear things, and sometimes you jumble them up and you don't remember them as correctly as you wish, but hopefully I've got this one right. Mrs. White talks about heaven being a place where all the bad things of earth will be eliminated and all the good things of this earth will be even better. That's what I look forward to. And I don't know, I, I, I said this morning, I don't know how hockey will be better in heaven, but I'm looking forward to finding out and I don't know how baseball will be even better in heaven, but it's going to be fun to find out. By the way, on a converse to that, if hockey and baseball are not in heaven, obviously they were bad, and I won't miss them anyway, so it's okay. Right? But all these good things that we have on this earth, the, the, the feelings of love, those, the sharing with each other, you know, the sense of, of having a pet and those, what goes along with that, all those things, I'm like, wow, that's going to be even better in heaven? That's incredible. I can't wait to go there. I can't wait to get there and figure that all out. Decisions have to be made. They have to be made now. There's no time to wait. The knock is coming. It's knocking right now. Will you answer? 
Maybe you're knocking. Maybe you're knocking on, on heaven's door or Christ, right? The nice thing is that you know that you have access to that right now. He's not going to send out his, his posse to escort you away. He's going to greet you and open the doors and welcome you. But if you haven't made that decision, the consequences can be real. I, I, I like to talk about my kids during sermons because they're great illustrations. Um, unfortunately, you usually hear about the bad things. You don't hear about the hundred million good things that they do during the week. You'll probably only hear about the one bad thing that they do or kind of do. Um, this week we had, I think it was Wednesday for lunch. We were eating lunch together, and um, I got up to take my plate to the sink, and, and on the top of the refrigerator there were two boxes of donuts. Um, there, was, there was Entenmann's chocolate, and then there was the Entenmann's where it has like the three different, different kinds. Some of you are shaking your head like, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what I'm talking about too, although I don't really like dessert. I'll talk about that. Um, so my daughter was like, hey, Dad, can I have a chocolate donut for dessert? I said, oh, maybe. And Stephen was like, I don't want a chocolate one. I want a cinnamon one. I was like, well, luckily we have that three-pack combination, so we were both covered if, if that's the case. And I said, okay, we'll see because that's what you're supposed to do as a father and a parent. You're supposed to never, you know, commit to something um, beforehand. So I said, we'll see. And, and you know, they, they weren't having the best table manners at the time. You know how sometimes you get, and they're kind of cracking up and being silly. And I was like, okay, concentrate on your lunch. Finish your lunch. Be good. And I, and I told them, I said, okay, behave, please. And I said it very nicely, as a father should do. And, um, and, and so in my mind, I decide that if they don't behave, if they can't listen, then there will be no donuts for dessert, all right? Unfortunately, they decided not to um, listen, and they continued to misbehave, so I decided to let them know, okay, here's the deal. You didn't listen, you didn't do your part, and so you're not getting your donut, all right? And I had also decided in my head, because I'm a de demented kind of person, and I'm not my heavenly father, so I'm not better, um, I had also decided that if they had decided not to listen, I would go one step further with the consequence, and not only would they not get the donut, I was going to eat their donut in front of them. <laughs> I know, I'm a terrible father, I told you, I'm not as good as my heavenly father, okay? I admit that freely, and I, and I need work, I need help, okay? Got it. I'll, I'll do better. I, I'll try to do better, I promise. So I did. And here's the thing. I just said it. I don't even like dessert that much. So this is actually punishing me too. They didn't see it that way. It was, I don't know. But so I did. I, I, I took their donuts and I ate their donuts and, and I was not happy and they were not happy and, and everybody was kind of down on themselves. There's consequences to our actions, you know. They didn't know I was going to eat their donut. They didn't know I wasn't going to give them their donut. But they probably have a pretty good idea at this point in their lives that when they don't listen, there's something that happens, right? I, I can probably, again, to 100% of you say that there are consequences to your actions. Now, again, my heavenly father is always better than me as an earthly father, okay? So God is not upstairs in heaven thinking to himself, all right, if... Kathy doesn't listen to me. I'm taking all of this stuff that I was going to give to her, and I'm giving it to her sister Natalia, right? Or I'm going to take all that good stuff that I was going to give to James, and I'm going to give it to his sister. Uh -huh. Yeah, that's not how God works, okay? Obviously, which is awesome, because I, I, I would not be cool with that, um, especially if it happened to a sibling. That's just uh, uncool stuff. But God doesn't work that way, you know? The riches and the rewards that he has for you, he wants you to enjoy. He wants you to have them. That's why he seeks you out. 
That's why he comes to you and tells you that whatever you need, whatever you, whatever you need, ask for it. I'll be happy to give you what you need. That's why he comes seeking you. That's why he comes knocking on the door of your heart so that you can have those rewards. So you can have your chocolate donut or your cinnamon donut or whatever God has planned for us that's better than a donut in heaven. Because if I talk to some of my doctor friends that are in here, they probably would tell me that donuts are not going to be in heaven because they're bad for you, right? They're not good for you. I can attest to that. There's several places on my body that can attest to that, you know. But I also know that God has ways with things that are not perfect. He has an ability to make these things like donuts that are unhealthy here be very, very healthy in heaven. (laughs) They will be even better. My prayer is that, that you will want um, to call on Christ, that you will go and seek him out, that you will go and knock on his door as he has always, already done for you, and that you will have all of these rewards, rewards that are so much better than a donut in heaven with all of us. Christ wants you there. He would not have come to this earth and died for the sins if he didn't want you there. As we get ready to sing our closing hymn, I just would again encourage you, if you haven't accepted Christ into your life, to make that commitment to him right now. To say to him, I will yield to you everything that I am and everything that I have, and it is yours. Let's sing our closing hymn. It's number 539.